Welcome back to Trope Stories, a show about photographers, creatives, dreamers, makers, entrepreneurs, and their personal journeys. I'm Terry Mayday, and on today's show is Toby Shinobi. Former lawyer Toby, Toby Shinobi Shonabare, is an award-winning, multifaceted creative based between London and Chicago. His international reputation and keen work ethic resulted in Toby being headhunted to work as senior content creator in an award-winning, fully integrated creative agency in one of the largest global advertising and communications groups. His work with Moen won Audience Choice Award for Best Images. His creative concepts and push to empower others was also the main focus behind the Off the Street Club's charity fundraising initiative for 2019 raising in excess of $500,000, teaching children how to share their perspectives through photography. While his creative journey was reinvigorated by a love of photography, he has gone beyond stills to include motion and filmmaking, working both in front and behind the camera, becoming the head of social media for a healthcare tech company, and most recently, a creative strategist for TikTok. Verified on a number of platforms, he has in excess of 200,000 combined followers, on these platforms, he showcases his specialization in finding beauty in often gritty urban landscapes. His distinctive focus on detail, perspective, geometry, and symmetry allows for appreciation for architecture. His passion to push creative boundaries has led to many collaborations with brands like Adidas and Nike, and long-term ambassadorships with Adobe and Sony, fronting major campaigns for both in 2020. His love for creating and storytelling has led to his starring in the award-winning documentary, I Take Photos, and his first solo photo book, Equilibrium, is available now. This is his story. Toby Shinobi, welcome to the show. Mr. Mayday, always a pleasure. Great to see you, man. It's good to see you too. Thank you so much for being here. This is our first Trope Stories episode in person. I feel honored. We feel the same, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. First question comes from Instagram. Okay. How do you feel launching your book? It's been such an interesting year. Um, the, the privilege and the blessing it has been to work on something um, which isn't essential, which isn't um, a life-saving effort. Um, I, I, I fully appreciate the privilege and... Um, it's not lost on me that I've been able to continue to do something which is something I love to do and um, be able to continue to just grow that craft. It's, yeah, rec receiving the book physically and seeing it like this, this um, I, I, I guess for me, the, the, the book is a physical manifestation of the end of a chapter. Um, and, and, and the start of, it's kind of a milestone of like other things that I want to kind of focus on. So it's like, yeah, I, I, I remember looking at the book and just like feeling this physical thing, which was just this tangible tactile thing. It's different. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's such a milestone thing. Um, it's uh, not lost on me at all. Um, the, the, the nature of everything that went down last year and being able to kind of do that within that space, within that period of time. Just a, just a nice way to kind of like end that period and just say, okay, cool. I was still able to kind of create because it was difficult, you know, for for many reasons, for many people, it was it was a difficult period, and no doubt the 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 book coming out of that period um, was just like, okay, cool. Yeah, we can we can still we can still do stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Congrats, man. It, this this really Thank is you. a celebration of your book. I appreciate it. It's that. interesting. Our our trope uh, emerging photographer series is growing. We have announcements coming that'll continue to add to the collection, but so far we have titles that are Across Japan, mm -hmm. Being There, mm -hmm. Hidden in Chaos, Unfinished Stories, London Fog, and Parallel Lines. Mm -hmm. Leave it to you, sir, to create a title that is only one word, which leads me to my next question, which is why the title Equilibrium? There were a number of words that were kind of played with. I bet. Like what? Uh, kaleidoscopic was in was in the running mm. for a little while. Um, and and when you look at the, the meaning behind kaleidoscopic, it's like kind of taking a number of different angles and stuff. Okay. For me, it wasn't entirely encompassing of everything that I wanted the book to be 
or that the book for me was reflective of. For me, I landed on equilibrium and, and there was a day in particular, I've just been going back and forth and then I'd been talking about balance and balance wasn't the right name for it. And then I don't know why equilibrium just popped into my head and it was just like, yeah. And, <laughs> and I know for some people it's gonna be like, oh, like big fancy word, Toby, like what are you, who are you trying to impress kind of thing. It's like, I'm not trying to impress. I'm telling you what it is. It's, it's a nod to me being um, someone who I, I have to find balance. I've been obsessed with balance for the longest time, I've been obsessed with mm. symmetry for the longest time. And the, the metaphor of me having to, I, I just often feel I have to be in, in two different places at different times. And just this, this balance I'm constantly trying to seek. Um, mm. Just growing up in East London, um, in the area in which I grew up in, um, like things weren't things weren't super straightforward and easy as, as as much as some people like to paint it out to be for me like you know they they hear someone who's um articulate and you know they see the final finished product which um especially when you meet me if, if, you, if you meet a number of people through instagram there's this notion that you know this finished package is what they are kind of thing but yes. they don't know the steps that it takes to get there the sacrifice that it takes to get there so there's this kind of highlight reel that people see and think that oh, I know this person. Whereas in the reality, there's a number of things I've had to go through and experiences which have formed me, um, which have made equilibrium the kind of perfect thing. This is constant balance of, um, for example, one thing, as a, as a six foot black male, um, I can't do too much in, and what I mean by that is there's times when I could do the smallest thing and it could be perceived as aggression. But at the same time, if I don't do enough, then it's seen as, I can be seen as lazy. And there's this fine, very finite line which I have to kind of navigate and balance all the time. And so that's just one thing. And then my work itself, I got the impression from people that it was too urban to be commercial, too commercial to be urban. Um, and so I, I kind of embraced that and just kind of, you know, navigated down that kind of tightrope, whatever you want to call it, of yeah. just like carving out my own lane of um, marrying the two and really just trying to add a level of professionalism to something which otherwise may have been overlooked by some people. And so, um, again, me having a past as a lawyer and then having this side as a creative, I'm trying to marry those two things as well. There's a professionalism and an interpersonal skill set that you gain from being in the kind of, I'm gonna completely mess this up, one's left brain and one's right brain, right? One's yeah. creative and one's more logical. Mm. Um, but there's things which I learned from law which definitely influenced the photographer, the artist, the creative that I've become. And so there's just so many things at one time I'm always trying to balance. I'm always, it's, it's exhausting, but I'm, I've just kind of um, created this kind of um, mental martial art where I have to, I'm constantly practicing this, this act of balance daily and um, just trying to be mindful in that and not burn out from it. I think you found your balance because it's working extremely well. I appreciate that. Another word that you use a lot, and clearly we see in your work, is symmetry. And to be honest with you, from this camera, I will be, I'm just a little nervous that it's not perfect. So <laughs> I hope that the symmetry is approved by Toby Shinobi. You know what? It's, I, I love collaborating with other artists. No, it's, it's great that you raised the point about symmetry because I think some people take an initial look at my, at my work and they go, oh, you're the symmetry guy, you're the symmetry guy. And it's just like, symmetry is but one of the tools which I use in order to get my point across. And the reason why symmetry plays such a point in my work goes back to the legal point, which is there are a number of principles which I picked up um, whilst doing law. People have always said, oh, law to photography is so different. And in many respects, yes, but there's learnings that we can take from practices that we have outside, right? And, and I think it's, it's very important for individuals to take themselves and put it into their work. And therefore, you're gonna have these situations where no one can really challenge you on the originality of your work if it's coming from within. You know where it came from. And so anyone challenges you, you'll be like, well, actually, no, the reason why I did this was X, Y, and Z. And the X, Y, and Z in this particular scenario is there are a number of principles that I got from law which transfer across to my photography. So perspective is really what I try to work with. 
um, both in the, the physical compositional sense, but also perspective in the, um, I guess, the more metaphorical sense in terms of I'm um, considering a number of perspectives. And that comes from my, my legal mentor telling me that the best arguments are formulated from considering a number of different arguments. Mm. And so I've, I've morphed that into considering a number of different perspectives. So perspective is the overarching thing which plays into my work. The symmetry comes from my legal mentor saying to me that the, the most efficient way to work is to explain things in as straightforward a manner as possible. When you, when you do that, you save yourself time. Like you make it as clear as possible for someone to understand, then they're not going to come back to you and you have to explain it to them again. So from straight away from the outset, I want to make things as straightforward as possible. Which sounds easy, sounds but easy. it's very hard to do. It can Whether be. you're talking about a legal argument, yeah. perspective, yeah. make it a clear line, or tell a story with one frame. Exactly. It's very difficult to do. I like what you did over one frame. <laughs> you gotta you gotta bring it all you gotta bring it all together. But yeah. honestly, to be concise, yeah. I, I try to do the same thing mm -hmm. a lot. We we try to be distinct, we try to be exact. Mm. Yet in that exactness, of course things have to feel natural too though. Mm. If you don't share your thoughts in a clear way, you will lose people. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's all trial and error. And there's a number of things which kind of helped me to get, get to that point of making things as clear as possible. Um, I think it's, it's it, you know, once I explain it like that, it becomes very self-explanatory why symmetry then starts to play so much of a key part in terms of you're making it as straightforward as possible when you take a symmetrical line and you make it as clear as you can, because you can still mess up Symmetry, like people do it all the time, right? If it's not on, it's off. Exactly. And, you know, again, just adding more legal principles, attention to detail, right? Those kind of things. And just um, there's, a, there's a diligence, mm. um, there's, a, there's a tenacity that comes with doing law because you have to make sure it looks good before you go out. And so, you know, there's, and again, just paying attention to certain rules. So, I start to create my own rules and composition, right? So if I don't see those things, it doesn't it doesn't work for me. I've I've had people hit me up all the time. Oh, you'll love this place, and I'll take one look at it, and I'm just like, thanks, <laughs> just just not interested, kind of thing. It just it, it doesn't meet the requirements, and so all of those things come from this background of law. The other thing I'll say about the um, being being straightforward and the difficulties that some people have in terms of communicating that kind of one frame. There is the, the, the more logical part of my brain, which kind of is very thoughtful and considerate of other people, but it's the, it's the consideration, it's the empathy. Me thinking about what other people will try to get from this or what they will get from this plays in the back of my mind when I'm taking, when I'm taking pictures. You're actually thinking of what, the, of what a photograph means. You're thinking of people, you're thinking of your following, you're thinking of... Maybe sometimes not. It's not always. It's not always a conscious thing, but like there is a there is a trained little guy running around the back there and just kind of <laughs> making sure his stamping is. Be like, yeah, that's gonna. That's not gonna make sense for people. Our next question comes from Instagram. I, I like this question a lot because as hard as last year was, what's the best thing to have happened so far this year? Let's get some positivity. I think last year there were a number of things which, which happened which were very positive, but they happened within the course of a year, which was for everyone. If anyone had an amazing year last year, then I, I definitely question their kind of sense and sensibilities. But um, I had a number of things which were, which were cool. I consider very much blessings, um, especially within the year. It was nice to be able to work with two of my long-term uh, professional partners, both Sony and Adobe on like a, a, we continue to build that rapport and relationship and stuff. So both Sony and Adobe had me in front of camera for stuff. I don't know why you'd want to put this face on camera, but you know, it is what it is, right? You know, if, if someone's going to pay me to be in front of camera, I'll take it, right? So- um, Absolutely. Yeah, so that, that was cool. Just having brands that from day one I've used, right? I've, I've been, mm. um, I've been like loyal to Sony from like day one. Before all the cool kids were using it, I had like I had a Sony camera, right? Like turning up to Insta meets and being teased. People were like, what is that? Like it would be like 
it'd be like 10 Canons and five Nikons and it'd be me with my Sony, right? This is before the world turned to this Sony. This is before the world turned to Sony, yeah. Um, wow. So that was like, yeah. So it's, it's cool to have them kind of like, be like, oh, Toby, let's let's get you in front of the camera kind of thing. Um, so that was cool. Again, doing being highlighted as an ambassador for Adobe as well. And them being like, yo, let's, let's get you in front of the camera and stuff. So yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's cool. But the Sony, I mean, you went deep into the Sony Alpha universe. I mean, to be part of launching a camera. Yeah. Seriously though. So the Sony A7S III comes out. There is, to use the word anticipation, is to underplay it by For sure. a million, right? This camera was gonna hit the market mm -hmm. and a select group of photographers from across the world have been chosen. To be a part of that, that film is incredible. And it generated emotion, it generated, mm -hmm. it generated a feeling in me that I needed that camera to be able to tell my stories. Yeah. What was that experience like to be there? It, it was, it was really cool um, because um, I'm continuing to evolve as a as an artist um, and video being key to that filmmaking motion all of that kind of stuff right because at a certain point you 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 can plateau um uh, for me i definitely felt there was an element of plateau mm. or to, to phrase it more accurately it's not that photography in of itself is it's not there's still room there's not still room for me to grow as a photographer there is but the skills the speed at which i was learning photography and the enjoyment I got from that, I'm now getting that level of enjoyment from doing video. Cool. And so to keep and preserve the love that I have for creating, sometimes you have to try new things. And I just think it's important for us as artists to continually evolve and, and see what's um, out there for you. So getting that call, um, it, 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 was, it was just a nice, it was a nice kind of recognition of, we see what you're doing, we want you to be one of the faces. And, and you know, shouts out to Sony as well. Their roster of people they have represented them is one of the most diverse. Gr growing up, I, I would, I, there was a period, it's, it's really weird, there was a period of time when I didn't think photography was gonna be for me, but but knowing now what I've managed to achieve in, in, the, in the short time that I've been doing photography, knowing now the life I've been able to live as a result of doing photography, it's key that representation matters. And I keep on saying this, and people are like, oh, it's not that big of a deal, right? But it, but it is. It's, it's unfortunate, but there are certain people who are gonna look at a certain um, demographic of a particular career path and think, oh, there's no one there that looks like me. And therefore, subconsciously or otherwise, they may just rule it out. So yeah. that is important, that this, this diverse, um, eclectic mix of people in the space pushes us all, it betters us all, and I'm gonna do as much as I can to co continuously encourage that. Where did you go? What did you shoot? Like, what was your role? There were a lot of the photographers that were doing specific things. Mm -hmm. What were you asked to do, or what did you guys concept together, and then what did you shoot? Yes, okay, good question. So, so with the Sony project in particular, one thing which was kind of really cool um, the DP, Curtis Morgan, super talented guy. One of those persistent overachiever types that kind of makes you doubt yourself if you're not careful, right? Wow. Just, just super, in, super intelligent. He's showing you a portion. He's showing you the portion that you yeah. are, are dealing with, right? And you're like, this looks amazing. And then you see the whole thing and you're like, I had no idea you were thinking this big. Wow. I mean, someone's got to dream it up. Yeah. So the story has to be big. Exactly. To create that exactly. interest. So one thing which is cool, he was like, I want to get your impressions of the camera. Like, tell me what your feelings are and so on and so forth. Now, partially because of COVID and partially because of other red tape issues, mm. didn't get the camera at the time I was meant to. So the first time I saw the camera um, was, was in the set. Maserati. <laughs> um, it, was, it, was, it was in the Maserati. It was in the Maserati. Um, uh, do you want me to explain about the Maserati? I think we need to. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, one of the benefits of COVID, right? So get to the car rental place, and um, I've been waiting for about half an hour. They're kind of short stuff because of COVID, I'm assuming. And um, I'm standing off to the side because I'm socially distanced because I'm responsible. I'm a responsible guy. You know, I try yep. to be. Yeah. And um, I think... 
I, I paid a little bit extra to get an Audi. I'm like, you know, I've, I've been stuck cooped in the apartment all this time. Let me, you know, I'm a, spl I'm a splurge. Get the Audi. They only have one Audi. And the, the guy brings out the Audi. He's not paying attention. He gives it to the couple that's behind me. And then a woman runs up and says, no, you're meant to give it to him. And he's like, I'm sorry now. They've, they, you can see them, they're, you know, they're pretty much licking the paintwork and stuff. They're touching it and everything like that. You're out. I'm like, sorry, dude. And so the, the woman, his colleague had said, no, he was waiting. He's been waiting there for half an hour. Says, you know, what, what else are we having? He's like, that, that's the last Audi we have. He said, oh, well, you know, maybe we should give him the Maserati. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And then the, this, this nice um, black lady behind me was like, give him the Maserati. And I'm like, thank you, young lady. Um, and so they gave me the Maserati um, truck. I get to, um, get to set. And um, yeah, they, they hand me the camera. And I think now that, I'm, now that I'm explaining the story to you, I'm realizing that Curtis probably wanted, probably said, don't give them the camera early because he recorded the reaction. But here you are, you're kind of like in the desert or you're in, where were you guys? California. Um, I forget the name of the area. But I mean, it's like tall grass and you've got a drummer out there. Like, yeah. it was just a cool visual scenario. It tell, was. Just tell me about it. Yeah. So, it, yeah. What, what was cool about Curtis, he said, I want this to be a collaboration. So, um, you know, I'm thinking of get, about getting you for this section of it where we have a drummer and we have a musician. Um, cool. Like you said, like he asked me if I was into music, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely into music." Mm. And and initially, we were going to shoot in a studio, and I was like, "I'm not comfortable about doing that." And they were super respectful, and that's how we ended up shooting the music stuff out, and it it turned out amazing. Looked amazing. Right? Yeah. And so you have the low light, the some of the shots that I I took on the camera made it into the final video as well. So that was that was a nice little touch. We might be getting into the personal part of our interview now. The next question comes from Instagram. Who has been the biggest inspiration in your life? The biggest inspiration in my life is is, is Mumsy. It's always it's always been Mum. It's always going to be Mum. Yeah. My my mum um, trained as an engineer, but she was qualified as a jeweler beforehand, and she qualified as a jeweler. Um, her father before her was a jeweler and she was the only one of I believe six or seven who kind of took on the family craft so she studied that and for whatever reason she wasn't able to um, be as successful as she would have liked and so there were, there were elements um, when well, I say elements there were, there were times when she felt like in order to give me and my my younger brother the life that she felt we deserved she would need to kind of requalify. Um, and so she, she went and studied and, and did um, uh, civil engineering, became a civil engineer, which is predominantly wow. white male. And she, she was put through an element of, you know, trials and tribulations that unfortunately like, a black woman in, a, in that kind of industry would have to face and stuff. And it wasn't lost on me that she, she had to make those sacrifices in order to kind of put me and my brother um, at the level she felt that we deserved. And so I often like to, again, the point of balance is she gave up a creative job to do something more responsible. I gave up something responsible to do something more creative. And so I always give her um, her flowers every time I speak. If, if anyone has, has, has heard a podcast with me not speaking about my mum, then um, I apologize, mum, I'm sorry. But yeah, it's, it's always gonna be mum. She's, she's, she's the inspiration. We've already touched on you being a lawyer, um, but I want to read an excerpt from the intro that helps to kind of paint a picture. As a child, I was always fascinated with symmetry. Visually, it just made sense to me. This may have had something to do with my obsession with fairness and balance. Though I remember being intrigued by my mother's technical drawings that she created as an engineer. I'm not exactly sure where this fascination came from. I do know that for as long as I can remember, I've always wanted things to be balanced, often speaking out to my parents, teachers, and other authority figures about situations I felt were unjust. Mm. That's you as a little guy. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, that's you yeah. you always were articulate. You always well, were you always articulate and were you always able to share your feelings and your thoughts with people around you? Always able to express myself, mm. um, and obviously you, you you evolve over time, being becoming more articulate. Um, 
I would guess my parents would say I was always I was always fairly articulate. I I I look back now at certain points back then and realize like how I wasn't articulate enough to express that me questioning authority figures was coming from a place of me being inquisitive as opposed to interrogative. Toby, you wanted to pursue law as a career, I'm sure for several reasons. Mm -hmm. It's a great career, Mm -hmm. stability, perhaps money. But I'm assuming you wanted to lend your voice and back to balance and and perspective to whoever your clients would be. Yeah. So there were kind of two reasons uh, why why I kind of got into law. There was a good reason and there was a bad reason. The 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 good reason, no, let me start with a bad reason, actually. The bad reason was people kept on saying to me, oh, you love to argue. You should be a lawyer. And I was like, okay, cool, fine, I will. Right? I'm in. Um, and then the, the, the good reason was um, I knew I wanted to do something which would challenge me. I knew I wanted to do something which um, I could make a decent amount of money in. And I wanted to do something where I was going to be able to help people. And law um, um, did all that. I remember going on to this kind of uh, university open day and the university were talking about law affecting every aspect of life. They're like, whatever you, th- whatever thing you can think of, there's a legal aspect to it. And because I still hadn't decided what I wanted to do, but knew that law affected all of that, I was like, cool, this sounds like a perfect thing for me. As I got closer to um, university and law school, I met one of my first creative mentors and I told him I was going to do law. And he's like, really? I was like, yeah. He's like, but you, you love coming to the studio and seeing me edit and stuff. I thought you'd want to get into this and do something creative. You're a creative person. I was like, I'll be creative in the solutions I seek for my, for my clients. And he kind of just rolled his eyes. I mean, it seems like a valid approach, though. It, it does. And, 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 and that's, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of smiling about it now because I realized I was, I, was, I was lying to myself, right? And I'll, I'll explain why. Many, many years later, I had been not reaching the heights in law that I was hoping to. I, I see my mentor and I was like, Paul, I realize what I want to do. And he's like, what's that? He's like, I want to work. I want to work with creatives. I'm, I'm super happy. I'm super stoked. And he's like, I figured it out. Yeah. And he's like, shut up. <laughs> I'm like, what? Sorry, what? He's like, shut up, Toby. And I was like, why? He goes, you don't want to work with creatives. You are a creative. You want to be a creative. The sooner you figure that out, then you know, the quicker you're going to get to where you need to be. Wow, that is a mentor. But the thing is, though, even with that, and I get the allure of photography, it seems glamorous, it seems sexy maybe, but you're making money, though. I've invested in this career. My parents have invested with me in this career. How do you actually leave? At a certain point, no matter how much money you have, um, unhappiness is unhappiness, and that's worth more. Um, I think your life is worth more than the paycheck. But you didn't leave on a Monday and start photography Tuesday. Like, what was no. the transition like, and how did you? Yeah. How did you move into it? I picked up photography whilst I was still doing law, and it was a hobby. But then it became more of a hobby. It became an obsession. There was a point at which it, I felt an urge. I remember my girlfriend at the time. Um, I was at a period of time when I was really, really stressed, and she said to me, "You haven't been shooting in a while. Do you think maybe you?" Need? And I went out and shot, and I felt amazing. Wow. And if if an artist or anyone in any particular profession, they reach that point of obsession, you're in a really good space. All right, let's jump into your book, Equilibrium. So the forward by Sandro. Sandro is an incredible, famous photographer. How do you know him? How did this come about? Photography has been something which has allowed me to kind of change my life. And there was a project I did with the agency that I worked with um, where... We partnered with uh, this boys and girls club called the Off The Street Club. And they partner with a different advertising agency every year to come up with a creative idea to help raise awareness and funds for for the uh, boys and girls club. Um, that particular year, um, they happened to pick an idea that I came up with. And I had been thinking for a while how photography had changed my life. I've been able to travel the world. I've been able to be on red carpets. And I thought about like, if I gave the gift of photography to kids at a young age, what would they be able to achieve with with their life, right? Very cool. And so um, we got Sandro involved to do some fine art photography of the kids 
um, and I held, I partnered with a spoken word artist where we taught the kids photography and how to express themselves, which also is again a, a bit of a nod to the typical advertising model of you have someone who does the art side of things, you have someone who comes up with the, right. the spoken aspect of it kind of things. The kids ended up shooting work which we then auctioned off um, to help raise money um, for them. So they were an active part in them raising money for themselves. And so, yeah, Sandro kind of um, became a friend through that. I'm gonna hopefully meet him this week and we're gonna do a book trade because he's got a book coming out um, soon as well. So he's gonna um, take mine, I'm gonna take his. He's an incredible photographer. He is. As part of the forward that he wrote for you, I'm just gonna read a portion of this. This is the success of his imagery. Great photographs leave the viewer emotionally moved and changed. Shinobi turns simple reality into an abstraction, distorting perspectives into mind-bending, enigmatic, mirrored optical illusions. Like the great Dutch master M.C. Escher, Toby Shinobi creates a false reality that is a result of imaginative pagination, image repetition, linked image pairing, mazes and circus mirror effects, often from an on-high God's view of the world. <laughs> Those words, man. Hearing it from you, it sounds even it sounds even better. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, what a compliment. Yeah. By someone of Sandro's stature. Absolutely. How did that make you feel that he wrote the forward for you? I may come across a certain way, but in the back of my head, there's this little there's a little Toby that you know walks around with like, "Are you as good as people say you are?" And you know, when when someone of that stature kind of reminds you that look. You're doing pretty well, like yeah. kind of like, you know, pat on the shoulder kind of thing. It's nice. So yeah, it was it was it was really kind to to see that and see that in in in, in this book as well. The front cover. Yeah. Where are you here? Um I'm in California, in one of my favorite one of my favorite places to shoot. Really? Mm -hmm. Which is? Um, are you sharing? <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's covering my book now, so yeah, someone's gonna work it out. That's um, is it Santa Monica? I believe it's Santa Monica. Love the lines. Page nineteen. Yeah. Where are we? The story behind this, this picture is, is quite funny, actually. Uh, me and a friend of mine, um, Jonathan Conlon, super talented photographer, super funny guy. Um, we kind of came up together. Um, okay. We decided to do um, what we call a twenty-four hour tour. And we literally flew into Munich um, and didn't book a hotel. And we stayed up for 24 hours. And so it was a flight, walk around Munich for 24 hours, get a flight back. And we, we put everything on Snapchat. Like we were talking to everyone. It was, and I don't drink. Um, but when I get tired, my inhibitions go. So the closest you'll get to seeing me drunk is when I'm really tired. Like the jokes get wild. Like it's just, <laughs> okay. so we're on Snapchat and we're having a whale of a time. We're like, like, you know, bags under our eyes and everything like that. Like this is, this is the morning before we, 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 we leave. And we hadn't planned to go here, but it's one of um, the pieces I made it into the book because um, I do like um, both new and old architecture. And um, yeah, this was, yeah, just what we caught on, on the way out. It just happened to like, oh, what else can we go to before we leave? I mean, it's 24 hours. Let's get as many locations as we can. Yeah, I need to go back. I need to go back and shoot it again. Very cool. Pages 34 and 35, Toby. This is kind of interesting. Another question from Instagram coming in. How do you feel about quote unquote Instagrammable places and people sharing or hiding these locations? I've been burnt in the past in sharing certain locations and like people kind of um, going and taking the exact same compositions that I've done, right? Same concepts, everything. And I'm not a fan of that. I get a great amount of joy from kind of going somewhere and kind of like pushing, pushing the envelope or at mm. least, you know, trying to do something. Um, same location, different. but you were away. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I got into the habit of being like, okay, cool. Like, you, I'm, I'm going to share it with you in terms of like, I'm going to share this image with you, but like, I'm not going to give away the location um, because um, I don't think you need to give the whole game away. 
I, you know, I just don't, I just don't think it's, it's absolutely necessary. You know, it's like, um, no, part of it is that you worked hard to find that spot. Yeah. This particular image, I didn't realize until after I had shot this, mm. that this features in the film, Children of Men. This location is in there. It's in, it's in there. Yeah. It's, 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 um, it used to be where they built ships. Yeah. I, I love these kind of like, um, cinematic filmic locations like whether something just kind of like oh what what used to go on here i, I love that um and the light play um yeah it's, it's a really cool location i want to go back there and shoot it again speaking of which what used to go on here pages 36 and 37 mm -hmm. this does look quite old i mean how do you get access how do you know this is even there and yeah. work your way to gain access to a spot and, like and, this. And, and this is part of the whole, the hard work aspect, which goes into finding locations, which some people really take for granted. Mm. And this goes into the reason why I don't always want to share um, this because um, the type of photography I do is very location dependent. And so with, with me marketing myself, and you know, putting out good work, good quality work, and then networking, and doing all that hard work, and then someone just comes to my page and is like, "Where is this?" No, oh, this is this is a really cool picture. Would you mind sharing? No, often it's like, "Where is this?" This entitlement to to knowledge, which I had to graft really hard for. Often, um, this is the um, I think during World War Two, I believe. The UK, the Royal Mail had a postal service which ran underground because the post was something that's still important enough. And so um, these tunnels were active during that period of time. And um, I reached out to them to do a project where I was going to bring in an, a number of different um, photographers to kind of come down and shoot this. Wow. The project never materialized, unfortunately, but they, they gave me access to it. And um, yeah, it's, it's just super cinematic down there i'd love to go down there now with some of the, the more modern cameras um because this was a while ago but um i mean it looks beautiful but you're some of the locations many of your locations are have proven to be cinematic mm -hmm. but this is actually incredibly historical mm -hmm. i mean do you remember at all just feeling the weight of that or just like what was that like down, down in the tunnels there. I mean, this is... Yeah, I guess I guess in terms of feeling the weight of it, I'm always trying to make sure I do it justice because it's very easy for someone to go down there and take something that looks kind of generic or just doesn't just doesn't do enough. Mm. And like, oh, that was, that, was, that was cool. Right. But, like, you know, I'm trying to make sure you're seeing the grit. I'm trying to make sure that, you know, um, the picture is asymmetric, right? But I'm still trying to find the angle which gives it the best look um which i think like taste is, is is very important like you know what's the best way to do this no question plus you're i mean to think about what was going on in those tunnels at a pivotal time in the history of the uk and that you were able to shoot that mm -hmm. decades later mm -hmm. it's pretty special yeah yeah i loved it loved every second of being down there Pages 56 and 57, Toby. I love the scale in these images, and you talked earlier about being pinpoint specific about drawing someone's eye mm. into there's nothing whatsoever distracting yeah. in this spread. Yeah. yeah this, is, this is Shanghai, and um, the, the gentleman on the left is a gentleman called Max Leitner, who's a great photographer in his own right. Um, and um, I believe is working with Trope. Um, so this um, particular location is, is, is one of the more well-known locations, you know? Um, and I guess for me, it's just about like shooting it in a way where I could kind of like do it my way. So just making sure that the composition is as tight as it could be, right? So shooting this perhaps with a wider angle and just making sure that things are as crisp as they could be and just making sure the edit was on point. Even when you're shooting someone, mm -hmm. it's very architectural, though. Mm -hmm. The shape and the curves and even the scale of Max really small right mm -hmm. in the center of the frame. How dangerous is this spot where it's you are? It's actually not that bad. Really? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not that bad. If, if, you're, if you're not... If you're not um, this is in a rooftop? Kind of. But um, the, if, you look at the, if you're looking at the bottom of the frame, those, mm -hmm. those white bars at the bottom of the frame... 
Like you can you can put your hand on that and kind of like climb up. Yeah. Page sixty six and sixty seven. Trying to make out what this is. Okay, so these are all like kind of like these kind of test tubes, which have like, mm. and I just I just loved the kind of sci-fi nature of it and the mix of the color. There's something different about it. I, I love this image too, and I'm trying to feel. So this is a lookup, though. Yeah, but there's mirrors too, or no? Um, there's no mirrors. That's just a, it's all just test tubes. All test tubes. Wow. No mirrors there. We're actually coming on to Chicago here on the next. Yeah couple pages here, Toby, and I'm curious. Which page are we looking at? 82 and 83. Now that you've spent some time here, I mean, you've spent several years in Chicago, actually. Yes. Go easy on us. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> what do you What do you think of the Windy City? And how do you relate to in it? In what sense? Aesthetically, as a place? Chicago as architecture first. As, a, as an architectural city? Um, I think just recently it won the award for most Instagrammable city in the US. It's not hard to see why. I mm. came up with this hashtag called Pretty Little City Named Shy. And it's just got some world-class architecture and just some things that Chicago has such a bad rep outside of. I have, I have friends who are American who have not come to visit me because of Chicago's reputation. And then my friends who have come to visit me and I take them, you know, you know that um, if you're heading from the south part of the city on Lakeshore Drive and you're on the bridge and you go across and you look left and you see he, he who shall not be named Tower. Yes. And you just look down the river and you just see it and it's beautiful. And I can't think of any other cities that have that vista. Um, and then there's a part of Lakeshore Drive when you kind of, where the road wraps around that's my, one of my favorite places in Chicago. That part of the drive where the, the, it just wraps around and there's Oak that S-curve. Yeah. Yeah. L love that. I have some shots that I took in December of this year. I found a naturally forming ice bridge. Like, th this thing is epic. It like, you, you wouldn't think I was in Chicago at all. Um, architecturally, Chicago is one of the best places to learn photography. It's just, there's just so much to do smaller than I'm used to because London is more than double yeah, the size. Right. Um, but there's, there's there's a great work ethic from a lot of photographers here, Some a, a good community um, going. Some really talented people have come up in Chicago. Much respect. Taking a look at some beautiful lookups here, Toby, as we make our way towards the look downs from your drone at pages 90 and 91. Mm -hmm. Where are you here? On the left is San Diego. Just happened to find come across this and i was like i wonder what it looks like from above <laughs> um and yeah it, it it surprised me it was kind of cool um and again you know just learning from just the curation of the book it just made sense to kind of match this with the image of the baha'i temple right with the sequencing of the images yeah. yeah yeah it's really nice there's more drone shots on on pages 98 and 99 we have more drone shots here this is incredible. Where is this spot? The one on the left? Yes. Um, that is somewhere in Dubai. Um, driving back from a, a location with some some really cool friends, young lady called Huda, um, uh, super, one of the best hosts I've ever, I've ever met in the photography community. Really? Yeah. Just, just absolute legend in terms of like, first time meeting, like picked us up. Wow. Um, like would not take no for an answer. Like when we're like, she's like, do, do you guys want to eat something? And we're like, no, no, we're good. And like, no, we're going to go get, get something to eat. She has water bottles in a car and everything. I like just, just the hospitality was just next level. Um, that's amazing. And that's, that's what I love about the photography community. Like you can really meet some, some really nice people. I mean, how, how far is this out of Dubai? I'm just looking at these, you know, that's a good question. Sandy I cannot, windswept roads. Cannot for the life of me remember exactly where this is to be fair. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but I mean, that just happens though, where the road will just disappear. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the picture on the right? Is um, Sunset Cliffs in San Diego. Um, and it's one of those locations where I hadn't seen anyone shoot it. And I was just like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to shoot this. And um, the, the young lady who I was dating at the time, we, we got here and I was like, I was ready to pack up and go. And I hadn't shot this just yet. 
And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go. She's like, I thought you were going to put up the drone. I was like, I'm good. I'm yeah. Good. She's like, no, go on. And um, I put it up and took the picture because the sun was starting to go down. So I had to do kind of a, a little bit of a, I had to, you know, open settings up a little bit just to get, you know, mm. get it crisp the way I wanted it. And um, you, I mean, you can see one of the, the cars is kind of blurry because it's a bit of a slight long exposure. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, sometimes you've got to listen to people. Well, and we, you've seen that coastline, though, so many times from the ground. Yeah. But to see it from above, again, perspective. It's very, it's a very cool shot. It's beautiful, man. Thank you. There's a picture on page 132 and 133 that I know is near and dear to your heart. <laughs> Sorry, 136 and 137. 136 and 137. Yeah. So the the interesting thing about this picture is um, I like to say that I, people ask me like, you know, what's your favorite picture I've ever taken? And my, my standard answer is I haven't taken it yet. Right. Because um, I like to think that I'm still searching for that. Like, it keeps me going. Mm. But if push comes to shove, um, this picture is, um, it marked, similarly to this book, it kind of marked a milestone in my creative journey in that um, I'd been shooting all summer and um, it was a foggy night, as you can see from mm. the picture. And I was meeting up with some friends. We were gonna shoot the fog overnight and I jump off the train to meet them and it's the last train, because I got the last train to meet them, right? And then I look at the end of the platform and I see how foggy it is. And then in my head, my head does this calculation without like really thinking about it. My yeah. head's like, this train's gonna pull out of the station. If I get to the end of the platform before the train moves out, I can, I can create a shot like this. So I'm running to the end of the platform and I'm having to put the settings into my camera without looking at it because I'm running and I'm, I'm I realize I put the settings in my muscle memory like I've literally just dialed in wow the the settings put my camera on the edge of the platform and I have to kind of hold it as well because it would have fallen off the edge right the, the train's moving so the platform's kind of moving you know a little bit and stuff and I managed to put on like a, a two-second timer and I managed to do all of this muscle memory right while running and I remember the train coming through. And the thing about lung exposure as well, like there's, a, there's an element of trial and error when it comes to like someone moving through. Because mm. if the train had been a little bit later, then I would have caught a, I would have had an, a not continuous line. Or if it had been earlier, I would have had a non continuous line. But it just so happens that the timing and everything was perfect. And, you know, there's an element of luck, but, you know, luck is preparation meets opportunity. The lights don't end, you see it. And so right. I looked at the camera and this is very close to what it looked like. I just remember looking and just being like, wow. <laughs> it's, it's great, man. Thank you. I love that shot. Congratulations, Toby. Thank you very much. Equilibrium is, is a beautiful collection. I appreciate images, that. Man. I really appreciate that. Really is a lot of hard work, years and years of effort has come into fruition, so congratulations. I appreciate you. This is a celebration of that, of the <laughs> launch for sure. Thank you. So where where are we going next? Let's talk about NFTs. What's your first NFT that you're putting out? First NFT is actually called Chicago, spot with an S. Um, just the Shinobi Chicago thing, kind of, like it. kind of put it together, just had to kind of get the branding in there. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a, a I, I feel like, like I say, Chicago, it's a bad rep. I feel like it's, it's, it's often misunderstood. It has some real heart and some real gems here. Um, and again, just to kind of, because I see things kind of metaphorically, I kind of saw some of Chicago in me, you know, this being my second home and me being a person who I often feel is misunderstood, but I feel there's heart there and there's some gems. Um, so I kind of just kind of, you know, put that together and it was kind of like um, a visual love letter to Chicago, just me kind of just saying like, you got some really cool things about you. Let's let's celebrate that. So it's me kind of giving Chicago its flowers. When you think about giving advice, and I know you're you're very good at at doing this mm -hmm. because you you share tips and tricks. You do it technically, but I think 
emotionally trying to help someone that that is maybe at a crossroads. I mean, not to be dramatic, they're not going to go from law into photography, probably. Yeah. I think you're the only person I've ever known that's done that story. What would you say to someone that is perhaps faced with a similar journey? I think it comes down to honesty. Um, I think I, I, I talked earlier about me not being necessarily honest with myself and my reasons for doing certain things, um, perhaps not being the best reasons at certain times. And again, I don't, I don't disregard the period I spent during law. I think um, some things are for a reason and some things are for a season. Sometimes some, they're, they're for both. Um, I definitely learned some things from that and I was able to help some people with that. And my, my advice to anyone who's unsure is listen to your gut. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be um, people telling you, um, you know, do this, do that. And all that. But I think at the end of the day, um, the one person that you do have to answer to is the person in the mirror. Like at some point or another, you're going to have mm. to. And if you did it for dad or you did it for mom or you did it because everyone else is saying you should do it, then at a certain point you're going you're gonna to start resenting it and possibly yourself. So I think you've you got to be honest with yourself and also be honest with yourself in terms of your skill level and the intent level. I'm not saying don't do it because you're not good. But know that if you're not good, get better. You know, be, be, be honest with yourself. Right. So that's the advice I'd give. So all of your successes and accomplishments and awards that you've won along the way, what's next? I, I recognize that I have a blessing in that um, someone's paying me to do something I enjoy doing. Um, I know there's people um, who are very hungry who would love to kind of, you know, jump into that the spot that I, I've kind of coughed myself and I would encourage them to, you know, create their own lane and, you know, do their thing and stuff. I'm just going to continue, keep on being the best Toby, um, that I can be, and you know, continuing to evolve, uh, marinating in my creative process and like, you know, really sitting on it and not trying to force or rush it. Um, that's going to include video. It's going to include, um, music in some form or another. I don't I don't know how that's gonna look, you know, maybe collaborating with people and stuff. But mm. I definitely want to um just I mean it, it, it's it's interesting for me because I have the, the agency experience, but I have the freelance experience, it's like do I dig down and bury into the the artist's route or do I you know the employed route and you know collaborate with people and all the opportunities that come with that. Or do I continue to do both? Um, time is, is is the thing which I you know I start to like. Um, what's next? Um, <laughs> I, I don't have a, a set answer for you, unfortunately. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of excited by that. Well, thank you for doing this, man. We can't thank you enough for sitting down. Thank you. In person, carrying us through our first trope stories that was shot in person. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's always, always a great time when I hang out with you. So thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you, man. As we like to say from our trope family to you and your family, we wish you all the best in the next steps. Appreciate you. Thank you. Wish you all the best too. Until next time, man. Thanks for listening to our conversation with Toby Shinobi, who can be found on Instagram. You can subscribe to Trope Stories wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at tropereader. Find us at trope.com or on YouTube at Trope Publishing Co., where you can see the video version of this interview. This episode was executive produced by Sam Landers and Terry Mayday, camera and audio Oscar Ayala, production engineer Jeremy Garco, editorial Mayday Productions, music by Universal Production Music, location footage directed by Terry Mayday. Trope Publishing Company is a platform for creators, storytellers, and imaginative business minds. Creative director Scott Yanzi, producer Lindy Sinclair, designer Jack Van Boom, and marketing by Hannah Kopak. You've been listening to Trope Stories.